Our reading from the Gospel this morning is from the first four verses of John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Has anybody told you today that you're the beloved of God? You are. In days like this, we may need to hang on to that, our belovedness. We've lost some saints in this last year. We have um, lost people in our congregation that make us question, how are we going to go on without them? How will we be the church without them? It's hard to imagine. Some of you have lost loved ones in your families, and you are asking the question, how will we get on without our loved one? How will we be the same? And the reality is we won't be the same. Life is different. Without a loved one, our world has been turned upside down. And we are asking really basic questions about who are we now? What is our purpose now? How do we love now? And sometimes there are very few answers to those very good questions. Sometimes we find ourselves wondering how our loved ones are. Are they okay? Are they being cared for? And today's passage that Tom read today helps us take comfort that our loved ones are in good hands. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am there, you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And Jesus said to Thomas and to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There are many Christians who are understanding that passage in a new way, 
in a way that is more inclusive, in a way that is more grace-filled, in a way that is acknowledging God's love for all people. Notice that Jesus does not say, no one comes to God but by me. All people have access to God, for God has created them. But Jesus is saying, if you want to know God as Father, as Daddy, then Jesus is the way. Jesus, through his life and teachings, death and resurrection, introduces us to a father figure that is transcendent of any father figure any of us know. A father, a dad who pours himself out with nothing but love. If you want to know that God, then Jesus is the way. Jesus tells us that in his father's house, there are many rooms, or in some translations, many mansions. Is that what you read today, Tom? Many mansions or many dwelling places. There's so many different ways to interpret that scripture. Those of you who... Those of you who know loved ones who are now in the heavenly realm, you also know who may have driven them crazy here on earth. Isn't it comforting to know that there are many separate rooms up there? Many different dwelling places, all in God's presence. I want to talk briefly about another room that is in each of our lives in this earthly plane. Last Sunday afternoon, I went to drip coffee for a book reveal and a a book signing from a friend of mine, a colleague, Patricia Runkle, who is one of the leaders of the Quaker Friends meeting in Chatham. And she has been writing this book for the last 14 years. Her brother died 14 years ago, and she describes the landscape of trying to make sense out of grief and how to navigate grief because this is a universal condition that we all are engaged in. Their book is is titled Grief's Compass, Walking the Wilderness with Emily Dickinson. I highly recommend it. In one passage that she read at the book signing, to about 30 or 40 of us who were at DRIP last Sunday afternoon, she describes grief as a room. And a few of us who were there, who were talking afterwards, said, oh, we are in the presence of a wisdom figure. Patricia named something that is really helpful for all of us as we walk this pilgrimage of trust on earth. And it is a universal room that she named as grief, and it is in each of our lives. Listen to her poetic wisdom. Grief is a room invisible. You are pushed into it. For a while, it is the only room in your house. You stumble around, no lights, no clocks, 
no windows, empty. When darkness is dark enough, enough. You cross the threshold, return to the visible world. Dust on your desk, on the fruit bowl, kitchen, remember to eat, living room, agree to talk. When dust chafes your living skin, you'll step outside, sun and wind will be at play. And you'll find yourself smiling, really, I mean, find yourself. You've been lost all this time. You have the whole place back now, but that room will always be there. The door will always be open. The room of grief has no door, and that door will always be open. Sometimes we are thrust into that room, and sometimes we choose to go into that room to do a little bit more work, to look for God. And friends, those of you who have gone into that room and feel like all you can hear is God's silence, you are not alone. For some reason, this mystery that we call God sometimes chooses to be humble, quiet, and even hidden. But in the midst of the darkness, perhaps we might find a God that has been on our walls in this church for a few years. The wisdom of Anthony DeMello who says, Behold God beholding you and smiling. Sometimes in the darkness, all God does is smile at us. And it is a smile that is not with dry eyes. It is a smile of love. It is a smile of comfort. It is a smile that can hold sadness, ours and God's, knowing that our hearts may be breaking. But God is with us in the darkness, and with us even, perhaps, with a slight smile and a tearful eye. As we come to the table of communion today, I'm thinking about something I heard this summer when I was at Chautauqua Institute, and Jacques Pepin, the great chef, was one of the speakers speaking about spirituality and food, spirituality and eating. And in his remarks, he said, it is not about having the best food. It is about the company with whom you eat. After his speech to about, 
maybe two or three thousand of us, we had a time of question and answer, and we submitted questions, and the papers were brought up to him, and he took a few of these questions. Someone asked him the question, you have been the chef for three presidents of France, including Charles de Gaulle. You have met state leaders. You have served them food. If you could have a meal with one person in the world, who would it be? He said, can I make it two people? The questioner said, of course. He said, without any question, it would be my mom and dad. And everyone there realized, oh, right. It's not about famous people. It's about people who love us into being. Today, when we celebrate the Eucharist, the table that we bring out here will be a small table, but it will be cosmic in its expansiveness. For it will stretch from this world around the world and stretch into another realm, a heavenly realm. Every time we celebrate communion, it is a foretaste of the banquet, the heavenly banquet that the Christ sets before us. That our loved ones, our saints who have died and gone to heaven, they are at that banquet table. Today, this small table will stretch into that heavenly realm in a very real way. And we will be invited to kneel if we wish after we have received. Kneel with them and with the saints who have gone before us. Before we come to the table, we'll be practicing a ritual, one of the most sacred rituals that we have in this church and that is practiced throughout the world. We will read the names of our loved ones, our saints. We will toll the bell. And when we hear the names of our loved ones mentioned, we'll be invited to come and take one of these candles and light it and put it far back in this bowl so that those who come after us will have room as well to put their candles. As people come and as people return, I invite you who are in the congregation or in the choir lofts to pray for the people you see coming because they're doing some very hard work. They're, they're walking into the room of grief again. They're getting in touch with missing a loved one again. And we as a congregation need to surround them with nothing but love and prayer, trusting that God knows how to care for them. Brothers and sisters, as you come forward, know that you're being prayed for know that you are being looked at with the glance of love. 
These are holy moments. We are standing on holy ground. I invite those who are part of the ministry team of this ritual to come at this time and draw us closer to the heart of God. Amen.